Welcome to the Candid Conversation Show. I'm your host, Marilyn Fontaine, artist and creative coach for women who want success and income with ease. Hi, this is Marilyn Fontaine and this is the Candid Conversation Show, episode 13. Um, Magic number 13. So this is part three of how I secured 10K funding from the Arts Council for my um, art weaving project. Um, Last week, I covered my practice, music, my spiritual practice and energy management. Um, Part one was about my why, finding my muse and being consistent and committed to my work. This week, I'm going to give you figures of my mindset. Well, I'm not going to give you figures of my mindset. I'm going to give you figures of the investment, um, what my where my mindset was at the time, and the synchronous events. Also, shedding my belief and acts of service. So, this is not going to be a very long, long, long one, but um, it's just going to wrap up what I covered in the past two weeks. So, thank you for listening, and um, I'm going to shut the window to shut the door because they I'm. I've, it's a weird atmosphere here today. It's cold, but it's it's also very stuffy, so I've got the window open. So please excuse me if you hear people. Anyway, it's life. Um, so, yeah, some people wrote to me and said to me that they really enjoyed it. It helped them. And at the moment, the Arts Council have reopened the doors for developing your creative practice. So if anybody's applying... Uh, you you know somebody, just send them over um, to this podcast or share this podcast with them because I think it will really help. Um, so let's talk about mindset. Last week I told you I joined um, Scholars, Brooke Castillo's um, Scholars membership. That was around £200 a month. I'd never paid anything like that for a membership at all. But... I just felt that I just needed, the more I started to manage my mind during the pandemic, the more all these synchronous events was happening, these, these things were just coming towards me. I had an re- unbelievable level of peace. Um, there was obviously a lot of other personal stuff going on at the time, but I think if I wasn't in Scholars, it would have been much more difficult for me to manage that. And the pandemic... And to do anything, to be honest with you. So I really think that was one of the best investments I made because every time I had a fear or a trauma came up, I was able to have that weekly coaching and really work through that, as well as obviously my therapist, but I just needed the coaching. And so I think all in all, I was probably in Scholars um, from, what, September to March? Um. So maybe, I don't know, I think that all in all I paid 2k by the time I, just, maybe it's just under 2k, I can't add, I can't add, I'm crazy, I'm, I'm crazy, you know, like that. Yeah, so it was, no, it's about a thousand, so a thousand pound basically, she can't add up. I spent on scholars, um, and I think by the time I finished scholars, I had decided to sign up with Tavona's 
mastermind. And that was a five-figure investment. But at the time, I generated the money. Um, obviously, from the funding and some other work I'd done, I generated the money. So I would say my mindset investment for that year must have been, I don't know, 10000 maybe less, maybe more. Um, but since then, I've made, well, I think my return on investment is like, I don't know, I think that's like 10%, 10%, 9%, I don't know, 15%. I can't, I can't, I, I have to look that up. But the person, I mean, actually, what I'm going to say is, is that my return of investment, I'll never make the return on investment because financially I've done exceptionally well, more than I've done in my life from those investments and, you know, really changing my mindset. But actually, I think that that was cheap in this place. At the time, it was, I don't know where I'm going to get the money. Um... I've got some money, but is it worth it? I'm, I can't, I don't know, what am I doing? It's really funny because I coached a client um, today about something and the thing she said, she said to me, I'm not going to repeat, obviously it's confidential, but the thing she said to me, when I think about it now, is exactly the things I said to myself when I paid for scholars and when I paid to Rona. Exactly the same thing is it's really how much we we frighten ourselves with our thoughts because yeah, I just thought, what are you doing? What are you who do you think you are? Why are you doing this? It wasn't so bad with scholars because I had, you know, two hundred pounds, I had that money, you know, during lockdown there was things that you know we didn't have to do. So it wasn't as if I was going anywhere and I wasn't sure if I was ever gonna gonna come out again. So you know, I could have got this thing that was threatening people's lives. So for me, it was like, well, I'm going to obviously be in my house for the rest of my life. That's how much I catastrophized um, what was happening. And rightly so, because we didn't know what was happening. But when I think about the slight little words, and then when it came to Devona and what my mind was telling me, but something else said to me, I've got to do this. If I don't do this... I'm going to come out of this pandemic with the, with the stuff that I know about myself now because I've had to be on my own. And I've, I'm now I've got a glimpse of something. If I don't go through that door, then I'm just going to have these regrets. And a woman that's at the other side of 50, I'm like, I don't want to, I don't need to be like this, you know, like this child. I want to walk through the other side of that door and say, my life has changed. That's what I wanted to do. And so for me, I didn't have that kind of money just sitting in my house. I had to find it. But what I did say to myself is, no matter what, I, it, was, it was like, no matter what, I'm going to do this. And also, when, again... As much as I frightened myself saying, oh, my God, what are you doing? There was a part of me that said, this isn't going to fail. It was as if because of the funding and the work I was doing and the synchronicities that was coming out with regards to the weaving and just opening my mind, 
I said to myself, no, because I've worked on my mind so much. I've worked on my thinking. Um, I've worked on how I deal with people so much. I've definitely seen a change in how I respond to myself, how I'm kind to myself, how I'm compassionate to myself, how I can cut boundaries with people and how I was able to say no to people before I wouldn't have been able to do that. So I was really, um, I felt so much more confident because I'd making, taken the first steps of scholars. And also during that time, I was running a membership group um, for black women who had the trauma from Black Lives Matters. Then I was doing community events online for people. You know, I created that fund for people. I also got accepted from the Arts Council. So all these things built on my mindset. Because I took a step, all these things built on my level of confidence. So it just takes one step for us to achieve one small thing. And when we achieve one small thing, and that was for me, was a £2,000 that I got the first time. That was the first part of confidence. That was like the rope. Then the second one was, I'm going to give back, but I'm still going to create something for myself and other people. That was the second thing. Then the third thing was, I'm going to join this community, Susie Ashworth's group, and just show up. And then after that, I'm going to apply for these. No, I'm going to join Scholars, work on my mindset because it's something seems to be shifting. And remember, when I joined Scholars, I didn't know I was going to get the 10 grand grant. And so it was like I was just going for it because it felt good. It started to feel good. It started to feel better. So I started to collect evidence of the feeling better, but I didn't wait to feel better. I just took the step. And I posted something today on Instagram about how our thinking is steeped in white um, pat- white supremacist patriarchy. And I remember I always say white supremacy is not about whiteness. It's not against white people. It's a system. If we look it up, it's a system that has built to, you know, it has oppressed a lot of people, including men and women that are white as well as all other races. But it's in interest in how the thinking, that thinking limits us because it always looks for evidence. It's always comparative in its nature. And so it wants to look for evidence or it conditions us to look for evidence before we can do something. And especially as a woman of colour, black people, Caribbean, African, Asian, wherever you come from. But because of the conditioning we're less likely to take those risks of um you know of just leaping because the conditioning tells us you have to do this do it this way the only way you get luck is if you work hard and you give to others and you sacrifice that's when you're going to give get your stripes but actually spirit spirituality tells us we have to have faith so it goes against the opposite of patriarchy, white patriarchy, white supremacy. It goes against that because spirituality is saying have faith. You know, the, what is it? The faith can of a mustard seed can move mountains, but yet our conditioning to what we feel in our heart is totally different to our conditioning because our conditioning is unconscious. It's like having a wild dog or a wild tiger. And unless we get a handle on that, we will lose all the time. And so with coaching, 
with meditation, with somebody challenging you. And for me, remember, I had six months of thought work, counselling and coaching, as well as counselling, but six months of continuous thought work. So all my beliefs and thoughts were challenged when I was in scholars. I mean, even before that, I was like, okay, I'm at the, this is how much, you know, I'm at the two grand, that part. But my beliefs was challenged. And so I was, it was challenging my beliefs and I was using it on myself because when you join scholars, obviously you do self-coaching and you do all the, 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 they've got loads of different courses in there that you work on yourself. And I use the model today on myself. I use it on my clients. I'm not life school trained but I use the model because I just love it as a system and it ties in with all the other modalities I've used um the work of Byron Katie some NLP techniques um you know um what's that word um there's something in NLP we work with where it's just really simple clean language and we, we work with um, being art, artfully vague, which is curiosity. So, you know, we ask questions and we engage curiosity. And that really helps one come up with answers. But for me, I'd done all that thought work. And so when I think about the investment that I got from the Arts Council, I think I spent the whole amount of money back into myself to get double returns and it's interesting, isn't it? Because I've just thought of that as I'm speaking. And I think it's basically the same amount of money. And so, but more came and more synchronicities came. And just in terms of um, the work with the weaving, the conversations it brought up for me, um, it's informing me now the the artist that would just I would just put on Instagram and, and what I needed would be there. Uh, I remember taking a walk in a local park. I remember we had our um we had our second lockdown and you could go out um to walk and I remember finding foxglove and thinking what the hell is this? And it tying in with foxglove can be a bit poisonous but it's inside one of my art pieces as a protector and and also it's like a rattle and, you know, just working with small things that, that, that informed my art and my life as an artist, the synchronicities that happened. And I really believe it's because I, I, I chose myself. And I didn't choose myself in terms of I'm selfish because I think I need to be a bit more selfish. But my actual human design is a transpersonal design so I don't be so I'm not here for myself I'm here for others so whatever I do is is at the benefit of others I'm a projector 6-2 so I'm my my design the reason I'm here is not for myself that doesn't mean I've got to be a martyr or a um you know an empath or a rescuer it means by me being myself and living my life in my creativity, I can help and inspire others and also be a coach. So that was mindset um, and discernment and shedding of my beliefs. So I really felt that I had to limit, you know, my, my mental after a certain time because once I'd created the, the, um, the environment for me to create that 10k um 
I needed to make sure I kept that level. So I still wasn't sure whether I was going to deliver because there was so much money in my account. I'd not had that amount of money. On, well, when I was decorating my house and home improvement loan or mortgage, but just for my art. So you have this fear and you have this imposter syndrome that you have this budget because it's if it's somebody else's money. And so I had to... I had to really manage my mind and really I was quite fearful that if I, so I didn't trust myself. So I was thinking, okay, I'm going to go and party. We had lockdown, there's nowhere I could go, but I might spend the money. So I was really um, quite regimental in terms of my, my time. So I just, I think the year before I came off Facebook anyway, but I didn't see anybody. So people were saying, can we go out for walks? Can we do things? I was just like, no, because I knew I needed to keep my mental state on myself. And as a projector in human design, we take on a lot of others' energy. So it's a bit like being an empath, but it's not so you're at the mercy of others' energy. So I know if it makes me feel good and it moves me, I'll do it. If it doesn't, I won't. Whereas an empath sometimes doesn't know how to regulate that. Whereas in human design, I kind of know my where my energy is like and how to discharge that energy and really work with my design. So it, it's a better boundary, I think. So I had to really dis- watch my time, say no a hell of a lot. Almost to the point where I was uncomfortable, but I'm so glad now because I can lead others into how they need to focus. And especially, I'm sitting on uh, a maybe of having ADD. It's not been confirmed yet. And so some of the pointers are easily being easily distracted. It's also my gene keys distraction, being easily distracted. But it's, it's not, it's a distraction of the senses. So it's not, easy for me to be around somebody to leave that person and to not carry what they've what they're carrying in an in an empathic way and so because my boundaries are still being strengthened i i needed to have prevention rather than cure and therefore i had to say no to so many things that just didn't feel right and it was almost like I was guarding a newborn baby. So I knew there was a tenderness to myself because I was expanding and growing. And so I had to be really kind. And so I really had to curate places where I had to go. And a lot of people, friends, family would say, you know, they haven't seen me. And I would just be, all I would say is, I'm just focusing, I'm focusing, I'm focusing. Um, and with that discernment, I was able to create a foundation and a blueprint for other people now. People that do, who who are neurodivergent and they can't manage their mind or they get distracted or they have no boundaries because of the past, how they've been raised and therefore they need a set of steps to help them manage them and bring that abundance to them. And so for me, I had to go through that. And it was the most empowering time of my life because I was able to see where I began and ended and the other started. As opposed to, I'm, I've got this duty and guilt because I'm not doing these things. 
or something bad going to happen to me because I'm not doing this. You know, I'm not being a people pleaser, which is a trauma response. We know it belongs to the fawning part of the um, trauma response. And so I was able to shed my beliefs, but also shed that trauma response. So I would just say it. 2020 um, was a was a reconditioning of myself, but also a shedding of trauma, which I think happened for most of the planet, that all our trauma came out to be released because we had this time during this pandemic. And my trauma response was, has which I'd been living for years. I, this is what I'll, I'll, I'll um, describe how... Um, how this, how I, I operated up until, I'd say maybe December 2019, where something changed. But I felt like I was constantly, um, you know, when you're constantly on a high energy, but an, an anxiety, nervous energy, where if I, if I stopped people pleasing, or if I stopped, um, trying to be a rescuer or, or a victim, I would die, basically. So I had to keep going and being this person, um, the not-self. So, you know, even though I'd meditated and did everything, I was still didn't have an idea of deserving. And I was running on nervous energy, which was ridiculous. And it wasn't until after... 2020 when I started to bring these things in and I had the space I was able to allow that trauma to come up as opposed to running a trauma trauma script or phoning all the time or sometimes fighting or flighting but I think 95% of my standard operating procedure of my body was a trauma response and has a high achieving person um and I think the weaving really helped me to consolidate that and release that and also to finally receive what I feel what I think I deserved many, many years ago. And yeah, it's just it's it's interesting I'm saying being very honest and vulnerable and in reflection that yeah, I've lived most of my life in a trauma response, I would say, and just being able to have the breathing space and, you know, of pandemic was very worrying as well. But I think that me investing in myself was the biggest and the most precious gift I could give myself because I was able to just be me without being punished. And that was the underlying belief. I had to keep running and people pleasing because I would be punished. So can you imagine having that belief of feeling guilty for existing? So it's quite heavy and and most of the people that may listen may relate to that. And so this is why I wanted to make this because when I work with clients, I, I see this so much of this guilt for 
just existing, this guilt for just being able to enjoy life. Now, it's different for when we go out to a restaurant and we eat and we buy clothes, we go on holiday. That is fine, but that is, we've been conditioned to do that. So that's part of the conditioning of to be successful and affluent. This is what you need to demonstrate. But we never say, well, I'm going to take that money instead of going on holiday and invest it in coaching or invest it in my mind, my mindset. Um, so I can feel better from this trauma. We, we never really do that. The people that do that are the people that are making the millions. And so to summarise, I think that my beliefs were about me not being, me not deserving, even by thought oh, I deserve it, but underneath, the, it, was, it was because of guilt and um, not really anchoring myself in this world. I, I was always living through imposter syndrome. Um, it's a place I know. And I just want to lastly touch on acts of service. So for me, um, I felt that I'd had so many blessings and it might tie in with, oh my God, you know, do I deserve this? Um, because, you know, it's still around about the time where I was still working out um, how to embody having all these, you know, these finances coming into my space. But I was working incredibly hard. You know, I was still coaching, still running groups, still holding space for people. And so I ended a group in May because, at the time, again, it was a time it was just for me to get to the next level and also ask for what I needed to have because it was really um it was an over delivered um program and I think it was worth it the fact it was over delivered which wasn't bad but um access service again was helping my community um volunteer you know doing some workshops which there's no way I would charge that money in industry, but I was helping community groups and just charging, you know, a minimum fee just to support them through the pandemic. Um, and me, the biggest acts of service was the um, Black Women's Healing Fund that I created because I felt that that was really important that, especially during the time of Black Lives Matters, I didn't have to go into a workplace or, you know, I work for myself and so I noticed so many women were triggered and I really wanted to create that space for them and to say you matter um, and even creating my membership it was it, it was not that expensive and it was really to give women black women a safe space and for me that was my acts of service it was building community and that's something even though I do high ticket coaching now, I still encourage community with all my one-to-one clients because I really know the importance of building community. I've also volunteered in my local community garden and Peyton Mural. It's taking ages, actually. They're actually looking at me like, when are you going to finish this? So hopefully it'll be finished um, this week or next week. Um... But I found it to be really important when I started to have a bit more income. I started to donate to charities such as Sister Space I love. I'm now 
donating to um oh my god it's the refugee not refugee community kitchen but it's other refugee organization that ref calais um care for calais um and they deal with refugees in calais um and i want to do some more voluntary work with perhaps more young black men or young black women or at least um create some funding self-funding not with government funding that they can have access to maybe workshops or the creative healing training program um because i do believe you know or and also you know financially support them like giving them some funds that's my business aim is to obviously to make my money to be able to enjoy the things i, I like enjoying but to to create funds so young people can can benefit um from it because despite what people say about funding um it does play an important part if you can get it um and i think everybody should try for it because especially during lockdown there was a lot of musicians that didn't apply for the culture recovery fund and i sent it to a few people and didn't hear anything and so you know the arts council is very good helping people um you know fill out forms but i think it's really important that people listen to this podcast share it like i said because i feel that it will help people say she's done it i'm going to try and do it where am I now in terms of funding? Well, I I think if it's... I will not say no to funding at this moment, you know, in the future. But at this moment, um, I haven't applied for funding. I was going to apply for more to take the project to the next level. But I really want to concentrate on building my own finances so I can fund my project and un- until I get a really good offer from, you know, a, a gov- you know, a government body that suits what I'm doing, that's where I am at now. Um, because I have the mindset now that I believe that I can just um, create the, the money. And I do create the money to be able to fund my own projects. However, if it's really easy and it's a no-brainer and it's a synchronous synchronous event and that funding is just available to me, then I will apply and do it. But at this moment, I'm, I'm substantially okay to fund myself and what I do. I don't need to um, be asking for money. But I will, I do say that, you know, Obviously, the right circumstances, I'm not going to say no. And that's it. That's part part three. Three for 13th episode, season two. Let me know how you felt that this episode went. Like, let me know your takeaways, actually, not your thought. Let me know your takeaways and how you experienced it. But I think this last part has been a revelation. Also a bit of a cathartic release, I don't know, of something in hindsight. But... I would I would do it again, even the things that didn't work, even applications that didn't work, I would do them all again because they're all evidence. What our brain does, our brain looks for the moment, the things that we failed. 
And what we have to do is flood it with things that do work. So even though something failed, I still went and reapplied, but I didn't have the patriarchal brain to say, well, you must get it or else. Because my brain was saying to me, I'll apply for it, but you know what? We'll be okay anyway. We'll be okay anyway. I didn't realise 2021 I'd make the most money ever after, after my funding finished with the Arts Council. So because I believe... I was tapping into possibility and curiosity. And I want you to stay curious. Okay? Until next week, bye-bye. You want to be part of an incubator of some amazing creative women, then you need to join the highly capable creative one-to-one program with me. To join, you can just contact me at www.mjfontaine.co.uk and book a sales call with me to join this amazing six-month program where we get to work on your creative business. We also get to work clearing your blocks and also bringing that confidence up to 100 so you can stand in your agency and live your best life.